Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the uh, first ever Neil and Eliza podcast. That's a that's just a temporary name right <laughs> now. Um, this is a new podcast I've decided to start, and my uh, my co-host is Eliza. Hello, nice to meet you all. Thanks for thanks for doing this, Eliza. I suppose I'll just start off by talking about why I wanted to do this podcast, what I want to achieve with it, and what you can expect from it in the future. So. Mm-hmm. Very briefly, I think today there is just too much animosity between men and women, (laughs) to say the least. On social media, there's this constant war going on, um, this war of of victimhood almost. Um, You know, women have it worse than men. No, men have it worse than women. Um, you, You see it with your friends and your family and even your partners. On occasion and I think it's really unhealthy I think there there are definitely conversations we should be having but I think we can be better as a society basically um, it's a, it's also a, a subject I've been keenly interested in over the last few years I've read a fair few books on relationships and self-help in regards to dating um, I've also gotten some criticism with the podcast I do with Jordan for a lack of a female voice. So uh, I hope I can definitely fix that with, Here um, we are. with this one. Voice in. <laughs> That's it. Um, but to begin with, let's actually get to know Eliza because she's a lot more educated than I am on the subject. So uh, Eliza, how about you give us uh, five to 10 minutes about who you are, what you're interested in, um, and why you're also uh, keen to do this podcast. Definitely. Um, Well, like Neil said, I'm Eliza and I have also got a very keen interest and passion in relationships and gender and how women and men relate to one another and also to themselves within their own genders. Um, I do have a bit of background in this area. I have a degree in counselling and behavioural science. a postgrad in sexology, which is the study of human sexual behavior. And that kind of encompasses all to do with um, how we relate to one another, our biology, our sexual preferences um, and gender as well as a big part of that. Um, And other than that, I also have a master prac of life coaching and I've just finished a postgrad in relationship counseling. So I'm very keen um, to learn more and talk more about, I guess, how we relate to each other. And um, like Neil said, bringing us together more as a a team rather than debating who's got it worse, uh, which there is a big trend of that (laughs) at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So you're a very educated uh, woman. I I finished year 12. So uh, (laughs) yeah, we're on the same uh, same page today, obviously. (laughs) Um, But I think what uh, some things we've we, we had in common at least is we're, we're both uh, avid readers of Esther Perel. Yes, my girl. <laughs> She's your girl, yeah. How about you tell uh, you tell the, the listeners a little bit about her and, and why we, um, we, both, uh, we both like her? She, Esther Perel is a beautiful um, relationship therapist and what makes her so special is, first of all, if you don't read anything, if you're not into reading, I highly recommend her podcast um, called Where Should We Begin, where she actually allows you to listen in to couple therapy sessions. Um, so what's amazing about Esther Perel is that she allows us to listen into her um, couples therapy sessions. And she gives us a lot of insight into dating between men and women and also same-sex relationships and open relationships. And she has a really amazing perspective that mistakes in relationships um, and how we relate to one another can be fixed essentially in a way that is holistic and helpful to each other and that you know if someone cheats obviously that's not a good thing but how can we work around that and why did that happen and and what was happening in the relationship beforehand so her idea I think that um, I really love is that at the end of the day we are humans and we can't be perfect all the time and we still have a lot to learn about not only ourselves but our partners and who we are in relationships with Um, and we have a lot to learn about how can we be the best version of ourselves how can we present ourselves better in a relationship Um, would you agree that that's 
Absolutely. I think there are a, a lot of flawed ideas around um, relationships and the way we interact yeah. with one another. And I think it would be interesting to um, go a bit more in depth as to how this culture developed that we're constantly at war with each other about who has it worse. Mm. Um, I think it's important to, to talk about those issues, but people seem to develop an entire sense of identity around oh, look, I'm, men are actually oppressed and, you know, feminists are just trying to mm. take down men and uh, it's way harder for us. And then, and then some women on the other hand as well who, who might have a similar view on the other side. My, um, my guess as to how this culture developed is that social media definitely exacerbated it and mm. led to, um, you know, fueling the fire mm. of, uh, of it. Um, I do not think it's healthy. I mean, this is funny, but mm. on TikTok, you just see so much of this. Yes. And this yeah. is like Gen, this is Gen Z. So this is the mm. generation younger than us. Yeah. So you're, uh, you're 25, yeah. if I remember correctly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So these are people who are 10, 12 years younger than I. And I understand, look, a lot of it is just jokes. There's nothing mm. wrong with uh, making jokes as long as they're in good taste. Mm. Um, but this mm. is, I, I just think this is really dangerous and, and we need to come together yeah um yeah it is definitely something that in some ways is amazing what is so amazing about gen z is that we now can talk about issues that we have in our society and we have a platform to talk so openly about it and it's not something that we get so shot down on these days um and previously you know there is a big rise in feminism lately and especially women pushing back in the past when we've been coming forward with issues we might get labeled as emotional or irrational or hormonal and those kind of things Mm -hmm. at the same point though men get shut down a lot for speaking out or speaking emotionally and there's a lot of um, toxic masculinity and a lot of gender role expectations some of which benefit us some of which we are all fighting against Um, But there is definitely a lot of resistance to see the other person's point. And at the end of the day, in some ways, both genders are oppressed and we all have our struggles. We've got there's pros and cons to both. Um, It's not one has, you know, it Well, I guess in some ways uh, women are a bit more oppressed than men um, throughout time and societies and cultures. And we know that. Um, but that's not to say that men do not experience their own struggles. Um, and some of those struggles come from women as well and the pressures that we put on them. Um, mm. yeah, um, I, I, there's a few things I'd, I'd, I'd want to pick up on, on that. So, um, on the other podcast I do, mm. the, the term toxic masculinity. So, I do not have a clear understanding of what that actually means. So to me, I think there's two trains of thought to, to a phrase like that. Um, and I think some people see, see it as, okay, all masculinity is toxic. Yeah. And that's not something I, I agree with. Mm. Um, the, the conception that I would agree with is that certain aspects of masculinity when, when you know, that when when we see the consequences of their of how they're bastardized and 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 how they're taken to the nth degree can be very toxic um for example you know men who are abusive using their power um for 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 nefarious means um mm. when men become tyrannical mm. um when um men feel as though they're entitled to sex mm. however there are aspects of masculinity that i really value um courage Mm -hmm. strength resilience um in independence these are things that i think i you know i would i would strongly argue against the idea that they're toxic oh for sure what do you think about about that i think that um toxic masculinity has become a bit of a buzzword lately um especially for example now we are also diagnosing every single person that has wronged us as narcissistic. Um, that's another buzzword of, mm. <laughs> of this year. Um, but and, t- and just the word toxic <laughs> yeah. is, uh, is just it's so everywhere. overused. Yeah, and people are using it to describe everything. But I think the understanding of toxic masculinity has been misunderstood. And my underst- 
understanding is that toxic masculinity is when we as a society repress men to allow them to freely communicate their emotions and feelings and that we put pressure on men or they put pressure on themselves or society puts pressure on men to be like I need to be strong I can't communicate these emotions I'm feeling I need to be um, intense I need to be confident and I need to if I cry I'm weak and that is my definition of toxic masculinity Um, But I think, you know, people are definitely coming on board with this new catchphrase and using it as a way to label all men and thinking this is the issue with men (laughs) Mm. when realistically it's not always. And it's something that we need to look at empathetically and with compassion and helping support men be able to express themselves more in a way that they don't feel that that's so unnatural or that they'll be judged for doing that. Hmm. Yeah, I I think um, there should be a lot more nuance around the conversation. So it's very important to to talk about your feelings, especially if you're Mm. um, feeling extremely down and it's affecting your life. But I think there's something to be said about being in in control of your feelings as well and I do want to uh you know be be careful when I say something like that because I'm not saying you know the man who's feeling overwhelmed and feeling like he can't provide for his family and 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 feels like a failure and if he's suppressing that that's Mm. extremely dangerous but Mm. there are certain instances where the phrase toughen up I think should should be used um, if people are just mm. complaining incessantly about things that mm. they probably don't need to complain about. Um, if 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 there's a lack of resilience um, in mm. a in a younger man, I mm. think we do have to be careful about just say, you know indulging in whatever complaints they may have and 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 really working out. All right, in this situation. You should talk about it. You should get some, maybe mm. get some help or talk to talk to a friend, talk to a family member. Mm. But in this other situation, no, you just need to just, you know, bite the bullet and deal with it. Yeah. And, and, I, and that's not, I wouldn't say that's just for men. I, mm. I would say that for everyone. Exactly. That was going to be my point that I don't think that what you, you're saying is true, but I don't think it falls under masculinity. I think it falls under self-regulation and being able to manage your own emotions, work through those, reflect. Um, And we have to be aware as people, male or female or anywhere in between, that when we experience emotions, it is positive to um, talk about them and communicate them. And that's been shown through throughout many, many studies that those that can communicate what they're struggling with or feeling will have healthier and longer lasting relationships and also living longer. Um, but at the same point, it has become so trendy that we need to realize that we can get stuck in a cycle of constant communication about this. And it needs to be really reflected on, do we feel the need to consistently bring up our problems? Um, do we feel, and, and why do we feel this need? Is it validation we're seeking is it reassurance is it comfort and what's what lies beneath that are we feeling insecure within ourselves what do we need do we need empathy are we looking for love so i think it's one of those things that we need to look deeper if we are the type of person that is you know i'll talk to you and say i'm struggling with this and then i'm going to go get coffee with my mom and tell her say i'm struggling with this and then my girlfriends that's not actually going to be healthy for me. I need to be able to rely on myself to deal with those emotions rather than relying on other people to comfort me and deal with those emotions for me. Hmm. Um, so it is, I think it's a, it's a spectrum um, and we need to be in the middle. We need to be communicating, but also working through these things and reflecting ourselves. Um, and one side of the spectrum is telling everyone everything about us and oversharing. And the other side is keeping things so isolated and within ourselves, um, which becomes an unhealthy habit. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. And I think um, what we see today, or at least what I can observe on social media, is people seem to be one of um, either extreme. Mm. So uh, there's a lot. And I think it's also, would you would you agree that there's 
even quite a class distinction there. I, I find that you know working class working class men in particular are particularly prone to um, you know bouts of de- depression and mm-hmm. and then ultimately suicide because they they value you, the toughness, resilience, all these things to the utmost extent where they they just don't feel like they can they can talk about it at all mm. um and that's um that's very dangerous but do you, do you think there's still a place in today's society for for uh men to be masculine and to be well first of all how do you define okay how would you differentiate from masculinity and toxic masculinity well okay that that's a good question i think that Toxic masculinity. We'll, we'll start with, um, I guess, masculinity, mm-hmm. the positive of that. Um, everyone has masculine and feminine aspects in their personality. That's true. Um, men, obviously, typically lean more to the masculine side, and that can be biology. They're, they're uh, stronger physically. You're much like 99% of bricklayers are men. You're more likely to be involved in physical activity. Um, and I think that masculinity can come down to... It, it, maybe it is open for interpretation. It may not be necessarily um, physical traits. It could also be emotional traits like confidence and assertiveness, um, sh- self-assuredness. Um, and it can also come down to, I guess, yeah, biology. We, we are going to be, men are going to be more inclined to, you know, be more active take risk adverse decisions, um, climb, that's why men are more likely to, I guess, I know this is a controversial statement, but men are more likely to be in positions of power because they are more, they're less risk adverse. They are more likely to take risky decisions. Um, so I think that toxic masculinity comes down to, yeah, I will have many of these traits. I'll be confident, I'll be assured, I'll be um, outgoing and extroverted or or maybe not extroverted, I guess. Um, but it's then I can't balance that with empathy. I can't balance that with compassion and I can't express to myself, I'm having a low day or I'm feeling this. Um, because they're like, I need to maintain this image or belief of myself or value that masculinity is above everything else. Okay, and I absolutely agree with that one one hundred percent. I think I I don't want to speak um, on behalf of all men, but when when we hear the phrase toxic masculinity, we're just not sure what that means sometimes. And it is used a lot in in today's side, but your explanation there, I, you know, I like I got no qualms with that at all. I 100 yeah. percent agree with that. Um, and I think, um, well, the 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 movement, um, the if, if you, yeah, like modern feminism would. Again, I guess then you get into the idea of like, well, he's a man, like telling feminists how to act. But I yeah. do think it would it would resonate more with men if if that distinction between masculinity and toxic masculinity is clearer we love to use it as an insult um rather than a let's let's support our men um and let's let's lead them and help them and i don't mean let's as in women i mean let's as in as a society let's support our men in being able to express these feelings that may not be masculine in the point and at that very point in time and that's okay but it needs to stop being such a way to describe all men at points if there's any kind of um, issue with men we love to throw out the it's toxic masculinity and you know what sometimes it is um, and we all have our our flaws and things that we need to learn and improve on but there needs to be a place of compassion and education. Everyone needs to learn to better themselves. And a lot of toxic masculinity can also come from women um, saying, you're the man, you need to do this. You're the man, hold this together. You should be paying for this. You should be earning more money than me. So sometimes we breed those traits and then can complain about them as well. So it's it's an interesting cycle. but it certainly goes both way, though. Men, men do that to women as For well. Sure, yeah, mm-hmm. with, without a doubt. How, how much do you think? Do you think there is a biological component to that? Do you think, um, 
you know, I, I I've I've read some some books that that talk about how women are, and and this is the average woman are very attracted to masculine traits, mm-hmm. confidence, mm-hmm. assertiveness, without without being a bully, um, and obviously physically mm-hmm. um, strong. And how much does that in, it, it influence the the pressures some men might feel, and and vice versa? How much be, uh, does the influence of men, men's biological attraction to feminine traits influence the pressure on women to be more feminine and and is it possible to ever fully separate from from those pressures if mm. if there's such a um, significance to, to some of those traits in in the world of dating and, and relationships yeah I th- there's so much to unpack there and I hate to say it but it is so influential in who we are as people um what we that you're right we are attracted to more masculine um features and another buzzword i guess at the time is um is alpha males Mm -hmm. and that is currently being perceived as uh 50 very against it and 50 percent being like i need an alpha male or, or here's how to be an alpha male but alpha males throughout species and animals I think I really love that you said, you know, he's he's confident, he's an assertive without being a bully. And that mm. to me is the true alpha male. Whereas if you look at like um, chimps, the alpha male is someone who is who can lead the group, who will pick up the babies of the other chimps and, and kiss them and cuddle them, who, sh- who shows support to all the group rather than domineering. And the domineering types aren't actually the ones that look after all the other chimp- chimpanzees. And what's really interesting about it is that sometimes, you know, these male chimps do come into power based on their aggressiveness and fighting for that power. And what is interesting then is the other chimps will formulate a coalition and take over that chimp when his back's turned. So I think what we are looking for, I guess, is biologically women are looking for a man that not what you can provide for us in this moment, but what you have the potential to provide for us whilst we're in our most vulnerable position, which is you know, bearing children. Um, even though society, I guess in our society, in, in Sydney, Australia, we're so lucky that if I was pregnant, I'd have, and I didn't have a partner, um, I would have enough resources and support through, you know, the government, family or whatever, that I could get through that pretty easily on my own. But that's, that's a very small percentile for the rest of the world. Mm. Um, and it's been like that throughout time consistently, where we need we're attracted to a man that can provide to us in our time of childbearing and that often is associated to masculine traits like can you i guess in this day and age can you bear for us financially can you help lift the child can you are you strong are you um this are you that but we need to be able to separate our um attraction from a sort of cultural idea of what the ideal person is Um, and then whether or not you're attractive to the opposite sex shouldn't determine um, the bulk of your self-worth I mean it's impossible to not have it determine at least some of your self-worth we all want to be attractive to the opposite sex Mm. you know I take a lot of pride in um, trying to make myself attractive to Mm. the to the opposite sex so there's something to be said there but it is a fine line it's it's um it would be a, a hard situation to, to say to someone who isn't, this is man or woman, to say, you know, oh, if you're not getting any dates, if no one's interested in you at all, to say how you, your self-worth shouldn't be determined by that at all. I, I can only imagine what that's like and then I can only imagine they would um, then go on to be frustrated at society um, on a greater level. Mm. I think it's important for, for men to have outlets of masculinity, um, whether that's sport or um, just going to the gym, mm. um, whatever it may be, something that they can, you know, an, an outlet for their, for their energy and their mm. testosterone and, and um, somewhere they can, they can um, be competitive in an organized and fair way. Mm. Uh, because if not, then they're going to, they might be joining gangs and they might be, you know, um, taking out that, that, that inherently competitive nature on 
on women um, or on, you know, children. Um, so mm. how, about we, how about we talk about a hypothetical situation here? Let's say there's a, there's a young boy, maybe not too young. He's, you know, he's, he's 13, 14 years old. Um, he is feeling down. He's feeling sad. Um, part of it is his, you know, maybe his sexual frustrations and also the fact that he is dealing with all these new um, hormones mm-hmm. and, and issues and, and, and things like that. Do you say, all right, come on, like, just hold it, hold it together, go and play some sport, you know, toughen up, be, yet yeah, be a man? Or do you say, all right, let's, let's talk about it. Um, if, if you feel like crying, you can cry, you know, you have my support. Or is it a combination of both? Because to me, it seems like there would be instances where in some cases, especially, you know what, if they are complaining about, oh, look, girls don't like me, you know, I'm because I'm not masculine, that is actually an example where I think you should tell that man, well, toughen up, like, <laughs> life isn't that easy, and mm. what are you actually doing to improve yourself? Mm. Stop sitting there on internet forums and go to the gym. <laughs> it's not that hard. Like, but, but I am saying to him, be a man, and mm. do you think that's, that's dangerous? What, what are your thoughts on, on what I just said? Yeah, it is very interesting. Um... I think two things. Firstly, if it's a child, thirteen. Um. Yeah. Okay. Let's maybe let's go, let maybe not thirteen. Maybe you know eighteen. Yeah. Like okay. That. Cusp of adulthood. Yeah. There is a big trend in um, incels or nice guys. Um, <laughs> That's true. And for those, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. That, that don't understand. That means involuntarily celibate. So I'm not having sex, but I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, that's it's without of it's not my choice to not be having sex um and there can breed a lot of hate and aggression from that but i do think that it's not necessarily going to be fixed by saying get up and go to the gym um and you know we talked about this last time but one of the biggest trends at the moment is dad bods we love dad bods and (laughs) Okay, can I um can I question that for a bit, or yeah. do you want to continue? Yeah, yeah, let's let's go question away. Okay, do you really are you actually physically attracted <laughs> to a dad bod though? Isn't it more that um you you see a dad bod and you think oh safety like he's exactly. not gonna you know he's not gonna cheat on me he's not a threat um, yeah. to other women but I've are you a... actually attracted to that? Yes, well I I can't speak for every woman. Um, we're all attracted to different things. But, you know, as societies change, trends um, change, like what used to be attractive in women is very, very different now. And we've seen, you know, sometimes it's been curves, sometimes it's been tininess. Um, and the same thing happens for men. And some women are very attracted to the masculinity um, and being fit and buff and thinking this man is strong and this man can look after me. And other women are attracted to, let's say, let's just use the dad bod mm-hmm. and show that shows nurture. That might show love to me. That might show I'm going to sit at home and spend time with you and help you raise the children. And that, that just because you carry extra weight and you're soft around the stomach, it absolutely does not mean you carry those personality traits. That's 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 yeah. true, um, but do you think that well you can sort of separate the physical attraction from the em- emotional attraction there because you're not if you just have a, a dad bod versus yeah. I don't know like Channing Tatum or something like that whoever who's your ideal <laughs> man the thing is that it's you will it'll be different for you to understand this because men are so and we know this this isn't just a statement men are very driven by appearance and you will assess a woman Mm -hmm. on their appearance based on whether they can like bear children for you are they looking youthful you look at our hair you look at our bodies do we have hips those kind of things women assess men on what can you provide for me in our relationship and how do you make me feel and that comes before sometimes Um, or often, that comes before the physical attraction. So I will look at someone and be like, you are going to give me everything I want, and then physical attraction can breed from that. Whereas for men, physical attraction breed off straight off the bat. Right. Yeah. Okay. So even would that change if, um, you know, it was you were looking for a relationship versus looking for a casual encounter or? Yeah. 
Probably. Okay. Maybe. Um, But not necessarily. Um, Some people, I guess we all have different preferences. Um, And it is interesting, though, when we are seeking casual flings, um, casual encounters or whatever, that, yeah, our preferences can change. And we also know that women, for example, on birth control, um, which influences our hormones, can be attracted to completely different men on birth control than they are off birth control. So a lot of this is biologically driven into us, um, hormonally as well, um, but also societally and just how we perceive and what we want in someone from that moment. Mm. Mm. It's really interesting. Um, maybe I should start working on my dad bod then. Maybe if you it's uh, If it's so uh, appealing. <laughs> the good news is, is that, you know, a lot of people are saying, a, a lot of um, incel communities their motto is that 100% of women will only be attracted to 5 to 10% of men. Um, and I disagree with that. I mm-hmm. think, you know, we've got a variety of looks that we're attracted to. We've got a variety of aspects we're uh, attracted to. And I think that the reasons why people that, you know, proclaim to be incels may not have success with women is because of... Um, particular traits that they may have like a lot of them um, spend as you said before all their time on internet forums some of them are 30 years old or older or or younger they don't have an education they don't have a job Um, and Mm. we know that 75% of women will not date a man without a job um, once they're over the age of 21 Um, so that's I guess an underlying factor that we want people that can provide and how much of that do you think is then, do you think that would influence um, a man's idea of masculinity and what they, they should be doing? Because yeah. I would, look, if there's, a, if there's someone out there in their mid-20s and they're like, mm, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't need to get a job to, to gain a female's approval. Like, yeah. That's just weird. Like, no, you should get a job for yourself exactly. because you should do something you want to do. But um, how much then do you think those... Um, those well sexual influences or you know re- relationship influences does that put any pressure on on men and and vice versa if if um men are looking for certain physical features you know bigger bigger hips big mm. boobs mm. all that um does that then contribute to a lot of the um body body issues that that women have today um, and men, there's dysmorphia, I think mm. it's called, is a big thing when mm. men who are really buff can't see themselves as buff yeah. and they just keep seeing themselves as skinny. Yeah. So again, like how much can we actually, I think we, I think a lot of it is cultural and I think mm. we, we can um, support people. And just going back to when I, when I was saying, you know, to the hypothetical teenage boy, like, oh, you should just go to the gym or whatever. I wouldn't just, I would couple it with, hey, you need to like find value in, in, in not just whether or not you're attractive to women, you know, yes. that shouldn't matter. But I also do understand, you know, having been a teenage boy myself, like you want that more than anything, you know, you mm. want to, you want to go to the parties and you want to have the the girls in, interested mm. in you. And I'm, mm. I'm sure it would be, it would be the same with, um, with straight women, mm. you know, they want the, the boys to be, to be interested in, in them as well. And this idea that, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do anything. I'm just going to live for myself and I don't care. I'm not going to mm-hmm. seek female or male approval. I think people are just kidding themselves. Like we all want to be attractive. That's um, it. At the end of the day, whether or not we like it, every single aspect of life, in my opinion, hmm. is driven by a primitive need for connection or a partner, and that's not necessarily male and female, it's, it's the same in LGBTI communities, that we as humans, we seek connection. And mm. for that, that is almost the purpose of our being, is how we connect. And what's the easiest way to get a long-lasting and very secure a, a, a connection? And that's in a romantic relationship or, or marriage or a long-term sure. partnership. So that having a partner provides the security of a consistent and trustworthy, reliable source of human connection. Like humans, we're a tribe. Um, 
And in this day and age, we're much more isolated and, and separated and we, you know, we don't really work as much as a community in some aspects. Mm. Um, and we've, sh- we've seen now that in our youth who have a lot less social interactions mm. than us, they have much higher rates of anxiety. Um, I saw a, a thing the other day that was saying the level of anxiety that our teenagers um, in our country have currently would be what is the same level that they would be admitted into a psychiatric unit in the 60s. So what is considered for us normal now is, the, is what was considered completely unstable back in the day. Yeah, um, social media is, is terrible. I think mm-hmm. there needs to be limits, um, even though this will probably be going out on social media. But, <laughs> yeah, here we are. Um, <laughs> it's a blessing and a curse. But, and, you know, I've created a career out of yeah. social media, so I need it. But we need to, we need to be disciplined at regulating our social media use. I'm, I'm not perfect at this at all. Mm. I'll sit there scrolling on Instagram for hours and then I'll start, you know, beating myself up mentally. Um, and both of those things, look, if you do sit there and have a little binge on social media, you don't necessarily need to beat yourself up as long as you know that, um, that's not that's not the best um, thing to do in that particular moment. But mm. limit an hour, two hours a day. I think you sh- you shouldn't be on it more than that. Um, but to our Gen Zs, that's impossible. <laughs> we are so well, they got to do it. They got to yeah. I know, but they got to do it because um, it's you know I find myself after especially Twitter, especially right now. It's so heated and it's so it's so tribal. Mm. I come off it and I'm I'm in a state of yeah. Well, I wouldn't say anxiety, but yeah, it's frustration. Yeah. Um, there would be some components of anxiety there. Mm. So, you know, as someone who's definitely not perfect at regulating my social media use, I would still say, give yourself an hour or max two a day, and and don't do it before. Before bed, that's the big one. Yeah. Before you sleep, you shouldn't you should turn your phone. And again, I'm not perfect. It's hard. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's so addictive. Yeah. But it's what we should be at least. Um, it is very aiming hard. for, and and that mm. would inc- that the constant bombardment of perfect images mm. and this sort of curated idealistic life would contribute massively to the um, insecurity and the anxiety that young people feel exactly and that also comes into you know their ideal of what what they should be striving for uh, as a man or as a woman yeah so yeah it's, it's important it, like i think it is important to have goals and social media can be incredible you can find mm. um views and ideas that you would have otherwise never been exposed to but give yourself a timer or you know give yourself a, a bit of a, a a rule or something to aim for where you say all right, an hour before, well, preferably two hours before bed. Like, you know, not gonna, not gonna be on it. Um, when I wake up, not gonna be on it for an hour. Like, mm. at least start with that. Yeah, that's, that's a good a, one. Not using it when you wake up, but you know, it's these things are. It goes deeper than. That's what's healthiest for our body and for our psyche. Mm. But also, you need to consider. Um, for example, I, I work with a, a boy who's 14 mm-hmm. and he is obsessed with his PlayStation, as all boys are. I wouldn't, he's not addicted because... <laughs> I was too. Yeah, his, his parents restrict him to only use, you know, 30 minutes to an hour every second day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he hates it. And part of me is like, you know, feel blessed that you have this restriction and you're not going to be addicted to it and, and using it constantly. But mm. then... He raised a very, very good point to me that he will go into school the next day and he's missed out now on two days of building Minecraft with his friends or whatever. And then that has an influence in his circle when he's at the lunch, um, sitting at the lunch table, he can't contribute to this conversation. And it goes the same for social media. The fear of missing out is a seriously intense thing for our our kids and the generation um, that are currently the social media generation because if you are limiting your social media you limit the understanding you limit connection you limit the gossip um, which is probably a good thing but in their perspective it's not it's that i've now lost connection to my tribe at school 
Wow, yeah, yeah. You're, you're ostracized, aren't you? Yeah. That's, uh, even it probably wasn't to the same extent, but I remember my parents didn't let me get a um, MSN. <laughs> and, and uh, yeah, it wasn't nice because I felt um, completely yeah. out of the loop. And yeah. It's tough. Is I, I, Okay, so for teenagers, maybe the, 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 I, I wouldn't know, but I, for people in their 20s, I'd still recommend yeah. the, the, you know, limit it, like severely limit it. Yeah. But anyway, this is that's a separate that's a separate kind of issue. <laughs> We've gone off topic. <laughs> um, we're talking about the images that media portrays to us, and yeah. and that it, when we're constantly seeing images of the perfect body or what's attractive, like mm. there's a trend at the moment going, which I actually love, and it's of people our age, and it was like videos we made when we were 15, and it was like awkward dorky mm. weird dancing and then it's videos of 15 year olds now doing the savage dance <laughs> in a bikini yeah um those kind of things how it's just changed from when we were teenagers and we're not old we're young um mid-20s starting like, to feel old geez, though yeah, because it, it it has changed and that is definitely the influence of media because trends um and there's been massive pros and cons to that some some of the pros have been the body positivity movement is is great um we're very educated um on it's trendy now to be self-aware which i think is great um yeah yeah i think with all those things you mentioned there's a there's a side where it can go too far so I'm all in favor of, you know, no one should be bullied and mocked and derided because of their weight or because of, you know, the way they look. Um, having said that, there is a there is a, a health aspect. Yeah. And there's also a sense of how much are you just lying when you say, look, beauty, there's, there's many conceptions of beauty, okay? Mm-hmm. But when we talk about, I'm talking strictly about physical beauty, which shouldn't be the main component of beauty, by the way, mm-hmm. I think... Um, someone can be beautiful as a, as a whole and their physicality is, is mm. very minor in, in that. But when we just talk about physical beauty, if you say something like you're beautiful at every size, I mean, it it's a lie. Like <laughs> as harsh as that sounds. No, and, and, I'm, and I'm not saying this just specifically to women or men. Um, I, you're, you're, first of all, your self-worth shouldn't be defined by whether or not you're physically beautiful but i know that that's then exacerbated by social media Mm. and how much are we in control of that but there is a big health aspect to um be especially if you know obesity i mean it's the are we romanticizing unhealthy traits by saying this is beauty as well and this is this is not beauty or just physically but beauty on the inside and happiness um accepting self-acceptance at any stage and it is i think you know we should move more towards normalizing normal bodies um and you know bodies do come in a variety of shapes and sizes and we shouldn't just be worshiping you know, anorexic or very, very tiny bodies. And we shouldn't just be worshipping very big, beautiful, bodacious women or obese women, as some people prefer. Um, it's just a matter of there are pros and cons. There's a dark side to it for sure, like you said, that we don't see the concern in, sure. in those body types. And, and just really quickly, I'm not saying let's get rid of the entire yeah. body positivity movement or anything like that. But I would just say without it, like no one should be, you know, bullied or mocked for it. And, and I'm, I haven't looked at this in depth, but that the studies, as far as I'm aware, do show that, you know, making people feel bad about their weight and, and mm. that doesn't help them. What you, what you actually need is to encourage a sense of, um, well, the, the, you can do it mentality and, mm. the, and, and when you're, when you're saying, oh, you're, you know, you're ugly and you're useless, that doesn't help. So, mm. but I just fear that it's gone too far the other way in some, in some cases, not, not in all yeah. cases. Um, yeah. And that's, that's completely fair. And it's not, that ne- doesn't necessarily swing just to bigger bodies. That's also seen in sure. tiny bodies where we will Very see true. someone severely underweight and they may say, well, you know, this is just my body. And it's always, it's always been like that. And 
no body in particular, whether it be normal, big, tiny, should be idolized. What should be idolized is you at your at your healthy at your healthy self. Yeah. But what has been good, I think, about this movement is first of all the self-acceptance has grown massively which is positive but also i think for our young males to see bodies for women that aren't particularly most men see their first naked bodies through porn um Mm. through the internet and it's important to see this is what a typical body would look like and it's not just going to be this perfect thing at all points and we need to and there are sometimes expectations or judgment, especially with youth, um, where they haven't really learned how to, they just don't have the life experiences yet to understand that there is so much variety and things you can and can't say even. Um, And when they've only ever seen a certain type of body throughout media, throughout pornography, that they may be faced with a body, a real life body, and then judge that person for it. So mm. I think in some ways that has been really positive in showing our youth, you know, all bodies can be attractive. Whether or not it's healthy, that's a different story. Um, but mm. as long as, you know, you feel that you're healthy and you feel that you are comfortable with where you're at, that's all that should really matter. Absolutely, yeah. I think it's important to instill, um, I don't know about self-esteem, but self-worth in other areas of your life and not just how you look. Um, I think it's, I think we can, we should still be able to admire good bodies um, mm. without, without making people who might not have that good body feel like they're It's a sensitive topic. It's yeah, so sensitive. Not human. Because yeah. look, I mean, I'm not, I'll see um, a, you know, a model or, you know, a Victoria's Secret model or something and be like, Jesus, like, she's she's hot. Um, and yeah. that that doesn't mean I'm, I'm dehumanizing or devaluing yeah. someone who doesn't have a Victoria's Secret um, mm. body. And likewise, I don't think men should get, you know, I'll look at a guy who's totally jacked and also be like, damn, like, <laughs> yeah. he's, um, I'm admiring, I'm admiring the physique. <laughs> It doesn't mean, you know, if a guy with a dad bod comes along, I'm going, well, you're less, you're less than, you're not a, hu- yeah. you know, I'm dehumanizing you. So yeah. I think that distinction is important because some people are very genetically blessed and also yeah. work really hard on um, to get, well, I know for a man at least, yeah. like to get a six pack and to have that kind of yeah. ideal ripped body is and then to very then, hard. And then they get shamed for it often. Well, 50% of the time they're like, wow great body and then the other 50 percent is like you must be an f boy yeah, <laughs> you exactly, have a six exactly, pack yeah. you will treat me like shit <laughs> exactly but no it just um they they've it, it's you know i can attest to as someone who's into fitness and things yeah. like that's it's it's very very difficult to have that kind of you know five percent body fat um muscly look it's not easy um okay it's not something we should necessarily see as like the the, the ultimate uh, ideal, um, but I get like if there's anything to be said about everything we've talked about so far, it's just nuance is really important in all mm. of these issues. And mm. I, when you talk to people one on one, it doesn't seem to be lacking, but on social media, mm. it's 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 just non-existent. Yeah, it's it, social media gives us a very interesting platform to say whatever the hell we feel like without understanding the consequence of that or seeing the consequence of it. Mm. You can say anything um, and never know how that impacts the other person or what, what that has led to, mm. the ripple effect of that. What do you think? Do you think there are any um, realistic solutions that we can employ? Do you think maybe you know parents should be regulating um well pornography for for young Mm. for young kids or do you think even the government should be doing that and Mm. when it comes to magazines and things like that you know you hear this term unrealistic expectations so Mm. i i hear that and i'm confused sometimes because i think like i said before can't you look at the you know the cover girl on a magazine and be like oh she's really hot but 
why is there why is there then it, it seems to be for a lot of for a lot of women they they feel like they're expected to look like that yeah you know what it's not often just the expectation and i can speak to this personally as well from myself and from a lot of my close friends it can be the shame that you get from being called out for not having that body and that's where a lot of the yeah. anger grows from it's not that i look at a perfect body and i'm like well screw this that's not fair mm. it'll be i'm happy within myself and my body and then or a teenage girl is happy within herself and a her body and then someone will say to her someone that she cares about whether it be a family member or a, a boy um or a romantic interest will say <laughs> what's going on there i'm mm. not a fan of that um i remember once that a girl um in my high school was she was only 15 um, and she was intimate with a boy um, and she hadn't shaved off all of her pubic hair. And the rumors about that and the shame she got around that went through every single school that hundreds of people were talking about it. And that, I think, is why people are saying, accept me. Mm. Like, why should you judge me? It's, it's the shame that other people put onto us, which is where this aggression comes from and this reaction to it okay that makes that makes a lot yeah. of sense and that's yeah that's terrible um and um unfortunately mm. do, do you think um you know do you think teenagers and naturally like that and are very tribal and and cunning and because they're so insecure themselves i, I know look mm. i um in in high school i always say you know i was I was bullied for various things, but mm. I'm I'm going to be honest and say there were times when I'd be a bully because I yeah I didn't want to be the one being bullied yeah exactly um, and it comes from a place yeah. of insecurity. So yeah. I know it's hard to tell a a 15 year old girl who is experiencing that yeah. hey they're only saying that because they themselves are insecure. Yeah, exactly. But but that one that's the truth. Yeah. And, and and two again, how much you know? Do you think teenagers before not even social media before the advent of yeah. just a mass media yeah teenagers in you know living in a community of ten thousand people back in the middle ages or whatever mm. do you think they were also really uh tribal and, and mean to people who didn't fit in to a specific um ideal or do you think that's a uniquely modern phenomenon uh that's interesting i think that a bit of both um and that you know every behavior and trend um, serves a purpose in our community. And the funny thing about teenagers is, you know, teenagers are known, um, and they are as well, for being ruthless um, <laughs> and being unapologetic. Um, savage. Savage, That's yeah. And you know what? Those are things that in teenagers that are terrible about them, but also extremely admirable. And I love that about teenagers sometimes because um, mm. I work with them and it's it's always a roller coaster. But with the teenage brain, we don't finish our brains don't stop developing for women until about 22, 23, for men 25 ish. And up until that point, we are surged constantly with changes in hormones and changes in personality as well as society and growing. And teenagers are biologically driven to be rebellious. Otherwise, they would have mated within their own tribes and we'd all be screwed. So thank God that teenagers, you know, back in, uh, back in the ages were rebellious and mated within other tribes and sought out females to mate with um, because here we all are today. Mm. So there definitely serves a purpose to the ruthlessness of teenagers. Mm. Um, and back, I guess, in your earlier question, like how do we counteract that? I think a lot of it is parenting and it's it comes down to being you know open and natural with your kids because if you come back and say don't do this and if you treat a woman like this I'll blah, blah, that's great but allow the child an opportunity or the teenager to speak openly about their concerns or their experiences without judgment um, with if someone says you know I'm a 17 year old boy and I, I slept with a girl and now I don't want to talk to her rather than being shamed. It's, Let's talk through that. And what are we going to do with women in the future kind of thing? Because if you shame them instantly, they're never going to talk about it again. And chances are they're going to keep doing it well into their adulthood as well. So I think a lot of it is um, communication. And another point you brought up was 
should we monitor pornography? And I don't have the answer to that. I do know that porn has a very, it does have a detrimental impact on developing brains. We know that. Uh, but I did speak to, my sister-in-law has a friend who has um, a boy, a child, and she was saying that, you know, when he starts hitting puberty, she would provide um, magazines to him and be like, you know, you're going to start getting curious about women's bodies. Let's look at this. Let's, well, not together, <laughs> but have these. <laughs> that would be weird and be very concerning. Weird. <laughs> um, but have, have, these, have these magazines for when you're curious about it or get dad to have that if there's a male role model in, in that boy's life. Yeah. Um, have that discussion with it rather and also feel open to talk about the impact that porn can have on kids and be like, hey, you know, you're going to watch this and you're gonna, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting and you're going to see some weird things. Um, but let's let's just have a quick conversation and talk about that's not, you know, the norm. Um, love is different to this. Sex is different to what's in porn. Women mm. are different to what's in porn. Just having those kind of conversations and also with um, it is important to have those with girls, although, you know, statistically, younger girls are much less likely to watch porn. They still will. Hmm. Curiosity is always there. Yeah. We're yeah. all naturally curious. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a minefield, isn't it? Because you can't really blame the parents, definitely of our, our parents, because they didn't have to contend with, um, yeah. an infinite array of internet porn. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, yeah. I, I look at my friends, they did a fantastic job with, uh, you know, drugs, alcohol, things like yeah. that. But, yeah, look, I did watch a lot of porn as a teenage boy and, and it's not, I don't really blame myself or anyone really. I mean, I was a teenage boy and it was just there. So what am, yeah. What do you expect? Like I didn't... <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and sure, if I could go back in time, I'd tell myself not to do that or whatever. But um, it's almost, I don't think reg, teenage uh, teenagers are so savvy with the internet. If you do try to regulate it, They'll find a way around yeah, it. I, I guess, mean, yeah, the question is, isn't is whether or not we should regulate it because at the end of the day, we can't. Like, no mm. matter what, you can't. If you block it all at home, guess what? They watch it at school. Um, it's about... <laughs> God, well, I never did that. <laughs> they do, trust me. <laughs> um, it's about, let's just talk openly about it and just, you know, here are all the facts. There you go. Yeah. That's it. Just for, be aware. Sure. Watch it. Engage in it healthily. If you're, if you're watching it too much that you feel like you're craving it constantly, all day, every day, buddy, we have a little bit of a problem, but that's okay. We'll, mm. we'll sort that out. Yeah. Um, and going back to what we were talking about with um, teenagers and the, the ostracization that can occur when you're out of the in-group in, yeah. as a teenager, I think we seem to be uh, – we, we have a trend of um, – some would call it safetyism where no teenager or no young person should ever have to feel um, bullied or ostracized or um, mm. left out. And I think it's really important to call out bullying and to call out that, that mm. sort of behavior if a girl was being mm. um, bullied for whatever, you know, having pubes or whatever. But I think it's really important that we also give young people the tools to deal with things like that because yeah. you can never go through life without being bullied, without being called out and without being ostracized. And mm -hmm. it's important that we, again, like nuance is just, is just the, 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 real, the, key, yeah. the key ingredient there where um, you, you tell kids, hey, uh, People might call you names at school. People might do, this, especially if they, you know, if they have a feature or something mm. that makes them more susceptible to, mm. to bullying. But that shouldn't determine how you view yourself. Um, to a certain extent, it, it will. But, but yeah. I still think it's really important that we're never going to get to a point in society where, you know, no one ever bullies and no one ever mocks people and exactly. excludes people. But yeah. The, the thing that's helped me a lot with that sort of thing is knowing that when people are, you know, that constructive criticism is important, um, but mm. if people are just clearly mocking or um, insulting you to get a reaction, 
it's coming from a place of pain. Yeah. Um, and I know that because when I did it, I was doing it from a place yeah. of, um, of suffering. Mm. And if there was anything I could say to, to some people who might be experiencing uh, that, it's, it's that the people who are doing that to you, I know it's a very cliche thing to say, oh, bullies are, you mm. know, just scared themselves. But look, mm. it's true. It's, mm. um, it's 100% true. The, 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 um, the urge to belittle someone else comes from a place of suffering and pain and insecurity in, yeah. in that person. Um, yeah. and, and look, there's a, again, there's also then a, a difference between uh, ba- banter and, you know, jokes mm. and um, that can overstep the line, but you, you have to look at the intention. You know, I've known, I, I, mm. sometimes I'll look back at jokes I received when I was um, younger in regards to my race and ethnicity and be like, well, that was racism. But really the intention was even if it was an off-colour and bad joke, they were trying to get a laugh. Mm. And you can't really, um, I don't think you can blame people for that. So mm. all these in, in, in situations, you've got to look at it on a, on a case-by-case. Um, for uh, sure. You've got to look mm. at it case-by-case. Case. Mm. And I think it's really important to to, to teach younger kids and, and people our age as well. I don't yeah. think this is exclusive to, to get it. People yeah. any age, yeah. hey, things are going to be said to you. Yeah. Um, just because you don't have that ideal body, just because um, someone might, you know, shame you for a feature you may have or on the side of, of, of men, like, mm. you know, you might be short or you might um, not have a rigid square jawline or whatever mm. it may be. Mm. You do. I'm not saying you oh just deal with it, toughen up, but build resilience. Yeah, you're never gonna. Yeah. Life is never gonna. Society isn't gonna um, change to you, you for yeah. you. You know yeah. that we can we can talk about these things and and try to make people think differently about these things, but yeah, you have to also develop the tools within yourself to 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 deal with um those th- and yes some mm. people are going to have it so much worse than others yeah. like that's life yeah. like some people um are born a lot less attractive than other people and it's and it is very sad mm. and it's unfortunate but we're never going to unless we get to some amazing technology which is probably <laughs> look in the next hundred who years, knows yeah probably the, the plastic next 20. surgery is going like we could get to yeah. that point but um at least for now, we're, we're never going to get to a point where um, you you may you you won't wouldn't feel bad about certain body issues or appearance issues. But yeah, I think if you if you use your energy in trying to um, berate people who have made you feel bad, that energy could be better served um, looking inwards and 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 sort of maybe doing mindfulness or whatever yeah. it might be, but working on For call sure. it out. Like don't, I'm yeah. not saying don't call it out, yeah. but um, don't spend all the energy on just calling it out. Also spend some energy on, on you, on your, exactly. on yourself. Exactly. And I think that what people that, you know, bullies, let's just put it in that term, don't often understand or have the self-awareness to realize is that negative energy that's directed to someone else, insulting someone else, actually has just as bad as a benefit um, of a disadvantage to you. Um, You're just still constantly bringing up negative energy over and over and over again. And like you said, it comes from certain places um, and you yourself would have experienced, you've gone through every scale (laughs) of the, every end of the spectrum and now you're on social media. So you'd see a lot of people will think, you know, you've got lots of followers. They'll say whatever. They can be ruthless to you. Um, Yeah. And you just look, well, perspective is with that particular point. Yeah what's actually helped me the most with that is perspective. So yeah. we, for whatever reason, we tend to look at the one negative comment out of a thousand good comments. Yeah. Um, but then when you do put that into perspective and say, look, I'm doing what I love. I have thousands of followers that yeah. adore me. Oh, well, like yeah. me at least. And, and I don't say adore me. That's a bit narcissistic, <laughs> but um, follow me. Um, yeah. Why should one hate comment as abusive as yeah. it may be? who cares like yeah. look at the bigger picture this many people come to my shows they follow me and, and i've gotten some pretty bad comments but 
one, I, I do sort of just say, oh, this person's clearly going through something. Yeah. Me just attacking them is probably yeah. not going to help. People yeah. in their life probably need to do something about that. But mm. it's not, it's as much as I, and, and, and there's a difference between that and just being like, oh, F the haters. You know, you still <laughs> got to take on board constructive criticism. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it does come down to a lot about not only all oh, this person's, you know, lacks emotional intelligence or is going through things or had a rough upbringing that's why they're a bully it comes down to how we respond to it and react to it ourselves like you said that perspective is so beautiful and there's something i read the other day and okay i don't know how many seconds are in a day but it was something like you know seventy five thousand. and it's like if you have seventy five thousand dollars in the bank Mm. and you know someone takes ten dollars are you gonna be mad it's exactly not really if someone takes 10 seconds to insult you don't let that ruin your whole day or week or month. You're still winning. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and again, like, don't just, I'm not saying just sit there and take it. Like, call it out when you when you need to call it out. If you feel like you're in physical danger or something. Yeah, empower, like, whatever you know, empowers issues, you. If that's but... being silent and being like, mm, I'm just going to let that one roll over. Or if it empowers you to be like, hey, you know what? That's kind of pathetic you said that. Yeah. You do you. Whatever is going to make you feel more fulfilled and empowered to respond, however which way that is, do that. Yeah, and um, the counter argument that I will respond to, which would be, well, if, if it isn't called out, then it just goes unchecked all throughout society and then no one ever, you know, it'll just stay that way. See, I, I, I agree with that to a certain extent, but a lot of people who are insulting or even if we're talking about, you know, uh, casual racism and, and casual sexism mm. and things like that they're saying it to gauge a re- to get a reaction exactly and if you don't give them that reaction it it renders them powerless so it's not about oh just saying nothing because that's life and you've got to take it it's about yeah um uh taking away their power by not giving them re- the reaction mm. they want but anyway that again mm. that's a, a bit of a yeah bit of a separate issue i guess to, to con- <laughs> this is this was always the um this was the introductory, yeah. the first the first podcast. There wasn't a specific topic, but it, it we did talk about toxic masculinity a fair bit, which is good because yeah. I've on my other podcast I've, I've I've often just sort of I've um been frustrated at my lack of understanding of what the spe- mm. what that term really does mean. But I think we fleshed that out really well, mm. um, and I I really enjoyed that. Um, what did you What did you think? Yeah, I mean, we we went on a tangent at the end. We got so off topic, did, but yeah. I think that's what the beauty of yeah, it, it was it's a great. Podcast. Yeah, and you know what? Someone will get something out of it. It's, it's these are important uh, topics mm-hmm. to talk about, and I guess it is it even social media and everything. It really does come back down to how we relate to one another, and that was our initial, you know, goal of discussion: is how how do we relate, and hundred percent. Why are we at war? Let's, <laughs> let's be it. at love. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Um, yeah. So we don't have a name for this podcast yet, so we're gonna we'll probably think about that. But um, this will probably just go out onto my YouTube channel, uh, second YouTube channel to begin with, and then uh, it takes a while to get it onto the the various platforms. So for now, Zit, hope you enjoyed the first one. Um, uh, follow Eliza on um, what is it? Instagram is that your best? Um... I mean, I gotta I gotta sort out a new Instagram for this. I think. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for now. Yeah. No, no call-outs. Uh, no, sorry, no shout-outs. Um, but uh, I, I look forward to um, doing some more. Yeah. And thank you guys for listening and watching. Um, hope, you, hope you did enjoy that. And we'll, um, we'll talk to you next time. See you next time. See you later.